हेलो वेलकम टू सेल्फ लर्निंग पॉडकास्ट बाय डॉक्टर सुषमा सिंह लेट अस स्टार्ट डिस्कशन ऑन यूनिट सेवन स्ट्रक्चर एंड ग्रोथ ऑफ इकोनॉमी पावर्टी सरप्लस एंड अनइवननेस एंड वी आर कंटिन्यूइंग टॉपिक ट्रेंड्स इन पावर्टी रेशो Estimates of poverty in individual states beyond 1993-94 will only become available when data from the 60th round of the NSS for 1999-2000 becomes available. In the absence of estimates based on comparable survey, we can only speculate about what might have happened to poverty in individual states on the basis of what we know about economic growth in these states after 1993-94 the all india experience in the 1960s and most of the 1970s showed that the poverty reduction was negligible when per capita gdp growth was below 2% but it began to decline when per capita growth accelerated to 3% and more in the late 1970s and 80s generalizing from this experience one should expect that some poverty reduction should have occurred in all states where per capita growth exceeds 3% or so after 1993-94 unless the nature of growth has changed significantly compared to the earlier years in india no one has done more to bring objectivity to this debate than dr surjit bhalla of oxus research according to him economic reforms initiated in 1991 have led to a radical transformation in the well-being of the bottom half of the population growth helps to reduce poverty because of three central reasons it creates job that pull up the poor into gainful employment by providing more economic opportunity it provides the revenue with which we can build more schools and provide more health activities for the poor and it creates the incentives that enable the poor to access these facilities and also for the advancement of progressive social agendas the indian experience has been that our policies produced an annual growth rate of nearly 3.5% for almost a quarter of a century up to the early 1980s the economist raj krishna described this as the hindu growth rate the low growth rate according to the economist was as a result of four sets of policies anti globalization policies that meant 
that India failed to take advantage of the opportunities provided by the growing world economy regarding trade and inward flow of direct foreign investment. Reliance on public sector enterprises afflicted by inevitable overstaffing and lack of incentive that steadily led to losses that meant serious inefficiencies and also a serious stress on revenues. Defense of capital intensive choice of technologies in the public sector enterprises which intensified the sorry performance of these enterprises and our overhanging expansion of direct controls that hindered sustained development. Dutt and Revelian in their paper have analyzed the determinants of and factors that influence the trends in poverty in India. As per their findings, poverty ratio goes down by 1% for every 1% increase in NDP, net domestic product per capita. Second, a decomposition of the change in the poverty ratio into a growth component that is growth in mean consumption and a redistribution component shows that nearly 87% of the observed decline in poverty ratio was accounted by the growth component. Third, the sectoral composition of growth matters in that rural economic growth contributes far more to poverty reduction than urban economic growth. Fourth, initial conditions relating to human resources and infrastructure development accounted for a sizable share of the differences between states in reducing ruler poverty. As Dutt and Revelian points out that non-farm economic growth was less effective in reducing poverty in states with poor initial conditions in terms of rural development and human resources. Low farm productivity, low rural living standards relative to urban areas and poor basic education all inhabited the pro prospects of the poor participating in the growth of the non-farm sector. Given that the threat of reforms thus far has been to liberalize foreign trade in non-agri commodities and removal of industrial licensing that constrained capacity creation, the effect of reforms on poverty has to come 
from its effect primarily on non-farm output. To the extent this effect is diluted by poor initial conditions in the populous interior states in which a large majority of India's ruler poor live. One can only see relatively modest reductions in poverty from reforms. The association between rapid growth and poverty elevation is clear since the 1980s. However, the growth of the 1980s was not due to any systematic reforms of the development strategy pursued since the 1950s. The acceleration in growth was largely due to the growth in the domestic demand following the abandonment of the microeconomic produce of the earlier three decades and the adoption of an expansionary fiscal policy. This reckless macroeconomic expansionism with no fundamental reform of severe microeconomic distortions led to growing fiscal deficit that were financed by the increasingly costly domestic and external debt. Clearly, the fiscal situation was unsustainable and led to macroeconomic and balance of payment crisis of 1991. Thus, stabilization and systematic reforms were unavoidable given the economic situation India faced in 1991. But the question was not whether reforms could have been avoided, but one of ensuring that the poor share in the benefits. The reforms have made substantial progress in some, but not all sectors of the economy. Given that poverty is largely a ruler phenomena, more than 80% of India's poor live in rural areas and that casual laborers in agriculture and in non-farming activities and marginal farmers constitute a large part of the poor for reforms to have a substantial impact on poverty. The growth it generates has to be labor intensive and it has to extend to rural areas. Unfortunately, the reform process so far has not adequately met this desistration. First, the reforms process has hardly touched agriculture. Not only Indian agriculture is largely insulted from world market, but also there are restrictions on domestic trade in agricultural commodities, 
such as monopoly procurement by government in Maharashtra and export restrictions on cotton, restrictions on interstate movement of certain commodities on private account and so on. The second, there have been no reforms of the labor market regulations. A small part less than 10% of the labor force that is employed in organized manufacturing and the public sector enjoys job security. Relatively high wages and other prerequisites, the rest of the labor force has no protection. Third, there is a crippling regulation that reserves certain commodities for production by the small-scale industries. This has led to insufficient and sub-optimal capacity of farms. Moreover, certain dynamic export commodities such as garments, leather products, shoes and toys are reserved for the small-scale sector which has led to countries like China outperforming India in gaining export shares. Fourth, the benefits of foreign trade and investment licensing reforms would depend also on other conditions such as availability of adequate power, efficient and inexpensive transport and telecommunications particularly rural road and telephones and improvement in the educational attainment of the labor force. As the study of rebellion and the death suggests the poverty elevation potential of the growth induced by the reforms would have been much higher had these factors been more favorable than they have. In conclusion, it can be said that there is some evidence that the decline in poverty has slowed down after the initiation of reforms of 1991. Since the reforms were unavoidable, the real question is how to make the growth induced by reforms more effective in alleviating poverty. With extension of reforms to the agriculture and rural sector, introduction of reforms to labor and product market so that growth is more labor intensive and improvement in the quality and quantity of infrastructure services, as well as the educational attainment and deepening the reforms the decline in poverty would considerably accelerate it. Now let us wind up the session and take rest. Thank you very much for engaging yourself with the self-learning podcast.